go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 716. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember... <laughs> your energy is Our so... motto is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Todd's mad because I made him start again. So his energy is low. I hate starting again. I know. I know it's hard. Um, it's just funny because you just said all that very monotone. A little bit like this. So get back to what your favorite thing is. Uh, my favorite thing is, uh, I because we've already played this once, it's no longer a surprise. But for the listeners, um, Kathy's been saying this phrase to me as of late. and instead Three of times. Instead of saying it, I only can only remember two, by the way. Oh, really? But we'll see what the third one is. But instead of saying what the phrase is, I'm going to play a clip, a musical clip, that will be a hint on what the phrase is. For anybody who was born in the early 70s or before. Or 80s. Is this a 70s show? 1976. Oh, my gosh. Um, This is a show called, what is it? What's Happening? Which is a phrase Kathy's been saying to me as of late. Um, I've been actually, on the end of that sentence, I've been saying, what's happening right now? Or just what's happening. You've actually been saying what's happening. <laughs> Have I really? So I walked in um, on Friday, I walked into the kitchen, and you're like, okay, what's happening? <laughs> what was the you, uh, catalyst? You're wearing this hat, and I know whose hat it is. I don't want to rip on the hat because it's Frank's hat. So for those of you who have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, this is a great <laughs> opportunity to do that. Uh, the subscription link will be in the show notes, um, but you'll be able to see the hat, and it's beauty and it's glory so it's so frank if you're listening it's not about your hat it's about the fact that todd is wearing your hat i know he's gonna want it back soon i know and todd usually wears like baseball hats and like you know a curved bill or what's it called is that the bill is that the, uh, yeah it's, it's called a curved bill it's called a curve and, you, and you're it, like wearing a flat hat and it's got like a design in it mm-hmm. and it's just it's i don't i've just never seen you wear such a thing right so you're like what's happening like and i'm like what's what's there's, why are there's we nothing happening this? i'm wearing this awesome hat i don't there's no explanation needed and you're welcome for me giving this but then you can to everybody out there you've been wearing it like the whole time like you didn't just wear it now you've been wearing it for like three days it's because it looks so good. Um, and then the only other time I can remember of you saying what's happening was this morning. <laughs> what happened there? So Todd took the girls, took our younger girls to um, Great America, and he left in clothes, as people do. Yeah, that's and then, what I do. So first of all, when we, in our family, our side door is kind of the door we normally come in and out of because it's the driveway and it's, you know, you can get to the garage easier and everything. So people typically don't come in and out of the front door. Mm-hmm. And Todd left, took the girls to Great America. And then all of a sudden I was sitting at our table and the front door opens and Todd comes in and he has no shirt on, no yeah. sweatshirt on. No. He's completely like I, so I said, What's what, happening? Yeah. Why are you coming in the front door? Yeah. And why are you wearing no clothes? Because my daughter forgot to dress herself properly for the elements. It's supposed to be rainy and windy and coldy. Yeah. At, I, you just said coldy. Coldy. Rainy, windy, and coldy. That's what, the, that's what Tom Skilling said. <laughs> um, speaking of Great America, for those of you guys who live in the Midwest, um, do you remember this theme song? <laughs> No. 
the words are going to kick okay. in here. Marriott, Great America. Marriott, Great America. No. Actually, this is not the one I remember. I remember it going. I don't remember that. I remember. I remember the commercial going by like Marriott's Great America. Yeah, I I remember a different version, and it's funny. I still sometimes say Marriott's Great America. Six Flags bought it so long ago. Yeah. But I remember being bummed to have to call it. It's like when they changed the Sears Tower. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, it's now the Willis Tower. I'm like, is it? Maybe, is it really? Because it's not to it. me. Maybe. No, same no? thing. Bummer. Remember they had that kind of uh, man who was dressed in oh, a yeah. mask and a tuxedo. Yeah, and he, and was, he, he would dance. And he looked a little creepy. Yeah, I thought I so. So anyways. Um, okay, so... Quick shout out to all of our Team Zen members, all 90 plus of you, or maybe it's no, 100. No, it's 100 and something. Um, and if anybody's interested in getting some free fuzzy socks, it's not free. You got to join Team Zen. Fuzzy socks or Zen parenting t-shirt. All you got to do is try us for a month, 25 bucks a month. It's a virtual community. And Kathy and I- And an app. Provide, and an app. And we give you all these resources. You get to spend real time with Kathy and I and, and, and a whole bunch of other wonderful team members. So, yeah. And, and there's, you know, all of our podcasts are there. We have groups, we have, um, you know, community resources that are shared. It's just a really great place to be. Um, if you're like interested in like how we, how we do it, just join for a month and see. This is how we do it. Um, so the main topic. <laughs> do you remember that? thing that I sent you. It's like a guy. It's so funny to me. And I've sent it to so many people and it hasn't gotten the reaction that I have, that I had. It was on TikTok and it's just this guy's picture and he's an older guy, middle-aged guy. And he's got like on just like a t-shirt and then, but his name is Howie, Mm H-O-W-I-E. And his last name is Do It. D-E-W-I-T-T. And someone on TikTok just took his picture and his name and put that song over it. What this song? This is how we do I don't know if you sent this to me. I didn't. I don't think. So. And so it's just his picture, and it says how we do it, and they're like, "This is how we do it." Um, oh my god, it makes me laugh so hard. Does this remind you of high school or college? Uh, or neither. It's actually post college, I think. Oh really? I think it's early nineties. I don't remember. I remember they played as they played the song in uh, the movie, the classic, Multiplicity with Michael Keaton. Oh really? Yeah. So when did Multiplicity come out? Because that would be your. I have no idea. Oh, okay. I think in the two thousands. Oh really? So I think this is a. I kind of remember this being like a bar song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was a dance song. But anyway. This is how who does what? That's my question. This is how we do it. This is how it's we Friday do night. What? This is how this is how we have fun. Yeah. This is like. Sweetie, this... how did you have fun on Friday night? What do we do? Oh, we went to the Sox game. Yeah. Oh, you mean now? Hey, how do I have fun? Yeah. Um, yes, we went to the Sox game. We, we had a grad party. We, we had a we had a busy weekend. We did. It, Put it this way, uh, we started, I think I started like doing very social things starting on Thursday and there were just things back to back to back to back. So Sunday morning when I woke up, I was like, I I have a headache. Mm -hmm. Like I think my body's like, you need to just not do so many things. And here's the thing that I have learned from other people in my life and and obviously my kids because they're younger than me. Some people can do that. Some people can go thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing and they keep going. I can't. So the reason I'm saying that out loud is because I think there's some people that think they should be able to or that they're lame. And I, my more introverted tendencies mean that if I'm going to be social, 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 
I have to balance that with being alone, 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 alone. And if I'm doing heightened, uh, you know, social time, I really have to take a break. Yeah, you need to balance it out. And I think that's hard sometimes for people even in the family to understand. You know what I mean? Because if they can keep going, they're like, why can't you keep going? Yeah. We have to set our boundaries, peeps. Well, and it's because some of us are in our 50s. Right. Some of that is just age stuff. Um, But uh, my hair's bothering me. So if you had this hat on, it wouldn't be bothering you at all. I was, I still have wet hair. The other thing that's funny is, you know, I always talk about on the show how Todd doesn't notice things. (laughs) Like he doesn't notice if I got dressed up or put on makeup or whatever. So I basically run downstairs. I'm wearing shorts and a Def Leppard t shirt and I have wet hair. He's like, you look really nice. Yeah. I'm like, do. do I? Yeah. Because, Didn't you blow dry it or something? Well, ki- I mean, not kind of, yeah, but it's, it's kind of like all, you, you know, know, but this is like a ripped concert t-shirt. I know. It's better than <laughs> than ballroom dresses. They're not that sexy. I promise to not wear a ballroom dress when we do We should do that podcast. one of these times. Just record and I'll be in a tux and you'll be in a ballroom dress. Yeah. Well, the only people who are going to see it are the people who subscribe to YouTube and I don't think there's a lot. Yeah. And by the way, you don't still watch the whole podcast on YouTube. We just have these little 30, 60, 90 second clips. Well, and just not that anybody cares that much, but we have, we've had a YouTube channel forever, but we lost access to it. Yeah. Like it's this weird thing. We've, we've had it since like the girls were little. We didn't really promote it, but um, our guy, Brad, who takes care of us in this techie ways. He's like, you just got to start over. So that's what we did. So that's what we're doing. So just come join us on YouTube. So, sweetie, I'm going to read a sentence to you. Okay, let's hear it. And you tell me how you want to have a discussion about it. Okay. The outcome is not the outcome. Correct. It's just not. It's not. So that. So just so everybody knows what our process is, I'd be like, you got anything for the podcast? And you're like, I got it. The outcome is not the outcome. Yeah. And I w- that's, that's, that's as much prep as I've done. So I went on a walk today, um, as I do, and I'm listening to, I'm doing, I'm doing something I don't normally do. I'm listening to a book and I'm reading the same book. And I'm doing that because sometimes when I'm listening to the book, um, it's Rick Rubin's book about the creative way of being. And who's Rick Rubin for those? Rick Rubin is a music producer. Like one of the most famous ones. He's super interesting. Like his process is super interesting and he's not a musician by the way. Yeah. And he's not even a producer. Like he will say, I don't know how to run the board or anything. I think he's being a little. Do you think he's being yeah, like. I think he knows how to run okay, the board. Okay. Okay. Well, he claims to be a very hands off, but what he helps people with is um, finding their, the essence of what they want to share. So he's a creative who really, I, I found him to be really inspirational because you know how last week, Todd, we talked about that, you know, spirituality and how. We used to talk a lot about spirituality, and that's still a really big part of my life. But I've kind of, um, I was my friend Annie and I were talking about this on Friday. I've integrated it and kind of rolled it into lots of other aspects of humanity where I don't talk about it as being a separate thing. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of part of the everyday process. What that means, though, is sometimes it, it's like it's harder for me to find spiritual self-help books that really speak to me anymore because they, they get they they seem to be so esoteric yeah. you know and you know this is going to be really interesting i don't know how people feel about me saying this but sometimes when a book is written by someone who's really like you know 20 years younger than me it's not that i don't think the book isn't good it's just there's so many life experiences i've had beyond that that it doesn't speak to me the way that maybe it used to when i was 30 yeah and so it's not about knowing more it's just about having life experience that's different um and so i 
I'm reading this book and listening to Rick Rubin's book, and it's tapping into that thing that I've really been missing, which is, you know, our sense of um, creativity and our and our spiritual sense and our essence and our unique self and how to how to bring that out in creative projects. And and he, as a musician, as some or he's not a musician, but he is a music producer, talks a lot about writing music and lyrics. But it's the same with writing books, which is why I'm using it, because I'm writing a book right now, and um, I'm trying to really be – trying to not cater to the industry so much and trying to write something that I really believe, and um, and that can be hard to do because there's a lot of boundaries around it. You know what I mean? But he's really inspiring me, and he is a um, – I don't think there's anybody like him. Do you know what I mean? Todd, like, do you, can you think of anybody well, who's like Rick Rubin? it's kind of a world that I don't quite really understand that much. I mean, I, I know a few music producers, and I don't know what their process is versus, you know, Flood, who produced U2's Octoon Baby and produced a bunch of good Pumpkins albums, or... Like Max Martin, who did all the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and even some work to Taylor Swift. Like, there are people who can do pop songs. And then isn't there George Martin? Wasn't he, like, the big guy for the Beatles? Maybe. Yeah. I don't... I So what... You know, if you've ever seen a... You know, listen to Rick Rubin be interviewed, or if you've ever seen him, he was on 60 Minutes, and you know he's kind of got he's he's had some. Um, he's been doing press. It long enough where it's, people are just starting to write stories, talk about him, about him. and he um, he will literally just sit and meditate and listen to the musician and lay lay back and close his eyes, and he can feel something that's not real and something that feels new and innovative. And he's always been on the cutting edge. What he what he tries to promote in, um, you know, all of the artists that he works with is who are you now? Just do now. Don't try to recreate something that you did before. Don't try and work an old pattern. Don't do things because your audience wants it. Who are you now and what do you want to share? And what he talks about that I believe in deeply and, you know, people who listen to this show know I say this all the time you're not doing it for the likes and the notoriety and all those things. You're doing it because it feels right to you. And if you are in alignment with your work, then you are experiencing what everybody's looking for, meaning, intention, um, you know, sharing of your deepest self, like people who are just chasing the money and the next contract and the next, you know, you know, big thing you're missing the part that everybody's looking for. So did you think these guys were looking for the next big contract? think Rick Rubin would have done with these guys? Me today. He probably wouldn't have been able to keep his eyes closed. Now, tomorrow. I don't... All day, all night, you feel my he-he. Feel, 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 feel my he I think we should repeat that again. I think we should repeat Feel, 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 feel. Film heat. Film heat. Are we rolling yeah. on that? We're, it's definitely cool. We're recording. Let's lay it down. Let's lay it down. 
We're thinking about maybe doing that for uh, pop culturing. And oh. that, for those of you who don't know, that was from Boogie Nights. Yeah. That was Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley. It's like when Mark Wahlberg has to, like, he's really mad and, like, doing a lot of drugs and he needs to bust away from the porn world and he decides he's going to cut an album. Yeah. And they think they're really good. There's and some great scenes in that movie <laughs> when they're trying to make music. And, and what we what I love about that whole thing is John C. Riley? What's his name? Rockwell? No, Chester Rockwell is Chester. his fake name. Yeah. What's his real name? Um, I don't know. He looks like Han Solo, though. <laughs> he does. People tell him. Um, so <laughs> he he he's so supportive yeah. of Dirk. Like, oh, we could when we take a deep dive into Boogie Nights, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I know. I just love his like, their friendship. He yeah. like so has his back. He's like not even jealous when he comes into the porn industry. It's no. a whole thing. Anyway. So no, I don't think Rick Rubin worked with them, um, unless that's really their essence. And he's like, give it a go. Well, my last question is, uh, I know Mark Wahlberg is not the best singer in the world, no. but he can sing. Yeah, I think. And was he trying to sound really yes. bad? Yes, for is sure. Is it easy to sound bad if you're sure. a good singer? Sure. Well, no, let me say, I don't know because I'm, I am not one of those. Whoa, sweetie, <laughs> you are. No. I'm not a singer, singer. I love to sing, but there are people who understand how to sing. Like my daughter right. is taking singing lessons and she's learning how to breathe and she's, you know, she's been singing her whole life. Yeah. And where I am just, a, we would call me a singing in the car, singing s- in the shower type girl. How come you don't sing in the shower? I do sometimes. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh. And then karaoke. I like to do duets. Oh, yeah. That's Let's, good stuff. Duets are great because then you're not the only one up there. Um, anyway. I'm going to bring you three different ideas when I heard your topic today is the outcome is not the outcome. And just so you know why we've gotten here is Rick Rubin said this in his book. And Got that's, it. I came to you and said, I love this sentence. Um, so think about this. The outcome is not the outcome. Correct. It could mean that the result may not be as important as the process or the journey. Okay. Okay. The second idea I had is that it's, unpredictable the outcome itself is unpredictable and can change or evolve over time okay and then lastly is that the outcome itself just may be ambiguous there may be no clarity whereas when i think of outcome i'd be like black and white yes or no like we made it we won we lost whereas sometimes even when you win you lose or even when you lose you win so those are my three ideas yeah i think all of them uh represent what he's trying to say i think what he where he was going with it is sometimes we have a story and I kind of want to dive into Don Miguel Ruiz's second, uh, in his book, the four agreements, the second agreement is don't take anything personally. And he kind of talks about this. So I'll put a pin in that for a second and go back to it. But when, when there's an outcome, let's say as parents, something happens with our children, they make a team, they don't make a team, they get an A, they get a D, whatever it may be. We're like, that's who they are. That's the outcome of them. Look at look at what happened. And we get very lost in whatever that experience is, whatever that truth is. We're like, that's who my kid is, or that's what my work is. You know, I've tried to do all these things and this is where they are. And really, that outcome is just a moment in time. Yeah. The outcome is not the outcome. It's just this is a very um you, you kind of have to, this is kind of a very Zen idea. Like you kind of have to roll with us, like be, don't get too literal here, what we're talking about, because this is a perspective shift. 
that's that's the goal of this conversation is sometimes something will happen with our kids. Like say say something really uh, you know sad happens. Your kids in fifth or sixth grade, all their friends blow them off, and you know they they don't really know who they're going to hang out with anymore. Their friend group is gone or whatever, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know this is it. This is the end. My kid's not going to have friends. Whatever. That outcome is not the outcome of their life. Mm-hmm. That's a moment in time. And that experience is an outcome of that moment. Yes, we can get really, you know, get into the layers of it, but that's not their full story. Sure. That's just an outcome right then. And sometimes we get we get lost in the set. Like the way I think about this out this the outcome is not the outcome is you have to have a balance in how in your perception, the ability to zoom in and zoom out. And let me give this as an example. If you zoom in too tightly to that outcome, you will be miserable if it's a negative outcome. Yeah. You will be like, I can't believe this happened. How did we get here? What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? My kid's life is over. This is how are they ever going to get through this? You're too tight. You're suffering and you're in pain. If you zoom out too far, if you get too much of an expansive view where you're like, oh, big deal, it's a blip, there's a bit of spiritual bypassing there where you're not paying attention to that there really is an emotion. There's something that needs attention. Correct. And there's an experience that is important. It's just not everything. The outcome is not the outcome of this kid's life. So I kind of was thinking about it as far as a zoom lens. It's got to be a really balanced lens Mm. where you recognize that your kid is, you know, we'll just stay with, you know, the sixth grader whose friends blow them off or they're they're feeling lost. And that is hard. And you you want to be there for your kid and you're not going to zoom out and go, oh, you'll be fine. Yeah. You don't want to minimize it and you don't, don't want to maximize, maximize it. it. You want to just be in the moment as best you can. For some reason, I thought of, um, you know, thinking about outcomes. Yeah. What I just wrote down is there is no end. Like right. there's no outcome. And the example I gave from a pop culturing perspective was River Phoenix's character in Stand By Me, Chris Chambers. He came from the bad family. Yeah. Chris made a lot of bad mistakes. Nobody liked Chris. And he de- and he's a fictional character, but he decided he was going to make something of his life. And he ended up becoming a lawyer and a really successful guy. He did. And um, a lot of people would just have this conclusion of this is who this kid's going to be. Right. And we could say that about all of our stuff. Like, oh, I am good at this, but I'm not good at that. Well, let's take Chris Chambers, you know, let's let's keep going with this story because we, for those of you who know the movie, you know what happened to Chris Chambers, but let's pretend that, you know, he he became a lawyer and he's doing really well, but he's, he's fiery, right? And he's got a lot of, you know, he has beliefs and strong values. Let's pretend he got fired from his law firm, mm-hmm. okay? That's that outcome is not the end either. Sure. He could find something else that he does, become a private investigator, work in a different field, get into government. Like it is a moment, but it's not like see, yeah. he got fired. So he he was always that kid from a bad, you know, yeah. from a bad family yeah. or you know, he there's always these stages in life that I think they they knock us to our knees for a realigning and for a perception shift. Like I try to be really careful about not saying things like we get knocked to our knees so and so it's all purposeful and because that can make us think that everything the you know everything happens for a reason that's too cliche because really crappy things happen in life and you know good things happen to or bad things happen to good people and I don't want to be flippant about that. I know that when I have been really struggling and someone's like, "Well, you know, you'll learn from it or whatever." That doesn't help me. I'm like, "But right now it hurts." The thing is, is zooming out enough, we can see that this is, when we get knocked to our knees, it does allow us the time and space to 
gain a new perspective and to maybe realign with something, you know, like I, this is a little different than Chris Chambers, but when I was, you know, when I was 20, I I was doing pretty well in my early twenties. When I say pretty well, I mean, like I was, I had a job, there was a path I was, you know, going to go to grad school. And then when I was about 25, there a bunch of stuff knocked me on my butt. Like all these things happened that I couldn't have been predicted. And I, was like, well, as long as all this is happening, I might as well just think about what do I really want from life, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's when I decided to not go to grad school to become, to get my education master's. I decided to become a therapist, which everybody's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? My point is, is if if life hadn't knocked me down, I would have never really thought about that. But that takes, you don't want to say that to your kid when it's happening. No. You know what you want to say to your kid when it's happening is it makes sense that you're angry. It Correct. makes sense that you're scared. It makes sense makes sense that you're uh, sad. Um, all that stuff. I think the balanced zoom is that when your kid is struggling in sixth grade and they are hurt, you get to support them and help them and be with them and allow them to share their feelings and sit in that darkness with them. But you're zoomed out enough that you know this is just a moment in time. Yeah. If you are so zoomed in with them they have nothing to pull from because you're just as empty. You're just as scared. But if you can, if you realize this outcome is not the outcome, this is just, this is now. Yeah. And, and it's really hard. And, and you, and I, I, you know, Todd and I always talk about how you don't want to create these negative experiences for your kid. You don't want to like play a role in, in them having a hard time. You don't want to do that kind of stuff. You don't want to create things, but when things happen, because they will, you want to be supportive in the moment and also have enough perspective that they feel safe. So uh, it's funny. I was kind of stuck on this without even being conscious of it. But as you said in the beginning of this show, uh, I came in shirtless today <laughs> because my kid underprepared the weather. Yeah, for the weather. Yeah. For the weather. And part of me is like, just going to let her deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, that doesn't seem like that friendly. And then I said, Sky, I, I have a few layers on, and if you want them. And initially she said no. I'm like, all right, whatever. And then I just kind of gave that last gentle nudge, like, all right, last chance, because I'm getting in the car and you're going to be on your own. And she kind of was like, well, maybe. And then yeah. I knew. So like, it's these could be really big things, or they could be sure. really small things. And there's a part of me, it's like, what's funny is that I because they don't take cash at Great America anymore, apparently. Yeah. They only take credit cards. Correct. So I even said to her, like, well, if it's too cold, just buy a stupid Six Flags sweatshirt, sweatshirt yeah. for like $84. That sucks. Um, so I knew I was going to have to pay for it one way or the other. So I paid for it by taking off my shirt and hoodie. How did people feel as they were driving by you and you were naked driving? Um, I really... <laughs> you weren't really naked because you had like pants on, but you just... The whole naked thing is interesting because whenever we go to a pool or a beach, we're all in our underwear. Correct. So like, it's all like perspective on what's appropriate in this moment. So I it's context. I actually stopped for gas on the way because I was almost out and I have my shorts on and no shirt. Yeah. And I'm sure people are like, all right, who's this dude? But I honestly don't care. I know you don't. And it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not, I'm not embarrassed or I'm not like telling you to be different. It's just funny. It's out of context. When you walked in with no shirt you know, and through the front door, and you also didn't say anything. You just busted well, through. Well, I knew you were going to come up with what's happening. I was like, what I didn't, I didn't is need happening to say anything here? And so, 
there, you know, so it's really, it's not about bad. It's just about different. Well, the reason I brought this up is there is a school of thought and some parents are like, no, we got to like teach teach these kids and all that. And I usually, as we've said on the show, I usually err on the side of safety, connection, nurturing, um, the whole teaching thing. I kind of leave that most, not all, most of that up to their world experience. And I think maybe even more specifically, I leave it up to the reality of the experience. For example, if my, you know, my kids are now out of elementary school and middle school where they were calling and saying, bring my instrument, bring my, my lunch. If I'm home, okay, and this is what time I can be there. If I'm at a meeting or I'm gone or I am meeting with someone, I'm literally like, I can't. And then I don't jump through hoops and make my neighbor do it or something. I'm like, I can't do it today. It's real. Mm -hmm. It's honest. It's authentic. It's if I can do it, I will. If I can't, I can't. Doesn't that, to me, that makes the most sense versus I can do it, but I'm going to teach them a lesson and not do it. Or I'm at a meeting and I'm going to leave my meeting to go drop it off because I think that I need, like... There's some reality in here where, and, and again, there's all sorts of different things. Like if some, you know, that that was my experience. If you are someone who's at the office all the time, so leaving the office would be difficult. Maybe sometimes you do have your neighbor help you out or sometimes you don't. It's, But I think the place I wanted to be was in my integrity. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to lie. And I also didn't want to jump through hoops. So my kid thought that I was readily available when I wasn't, right. you know, Um I think that's just like a, a nice middle ground. And when people say things to you like, oh, if you you do that, they're going to leave their lunch every day. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> they, they don't really love having you, you know, I mean, unless there's some kind of game going on or power play going on, the kid is not, that's not the way I see people. Um, and so I don't, and I think that what can happen though, is if you put up a big, you know, if you're like, I'm not willing to do that and I can't believe you left your lunch and you should be ashamed and you're not responsible, then your kid probably won't call you much when they're in trouble because they're like, I'm going to get judged and shamed. I think there is a, and, and I, I know this just from working with the amount of kids I've worked with, they, they'll be struggling with the biggest things and they won't call their parents because they're like, well, when I tell my parents I need help or that I left something or forgot something, the whole first 20 minutes is me getting judged. Yeah. And so now let's take the lunch thing a little further. You can also say that night when they get home, let's figure out a new plan of getting your lunch to school because I've had to drop it off twice in the last couple of weeks and we need to figure that out. It's well, and okay. I've shared that I, my patience um, goes down quickly. Mm-hmm. If I have to do something on a Wednesday and then they didn't learn their lesson on a Thursday, I'd be like, actually, I really kind of have to work today. And you, and I, not specifically that's happened to me, but like, it's one thing, you know, we all make mistakes. Human beings, like, you know, if your partner forgot their wallet, and I think we've shared this example. Yeah, you or your do purse, you help. But if if I, lo- if, if I forget my wallet at home twice in two days and say, you know what, honey, I need you to drive my wallet to my office, I have a feeling you'd be like less patient, more frustrated sure. the next day. If it happened every day. I Same think with our kids. The phrase learn their lesson is interesting to pick apart because I think our kids are constantly learning things and they don't, it's just because they, you know, 
they can do really well one whole year of school, remembering things, doing things, and then the next year because what's going on in their life or because of a certain class or because of a certain social situation, they're not going to remember as much. Well, we had that Zen talk last week, and there was a woman who wrote something in that their 11th grader um, failed math. Right. And we kind of came up with, and, and the, the mom, the Team Zen member said, you know what, I know I'm really triggered and reactive because we paid for their tutor and we did all these things. I'm like, I know I'm not in a good place to have a connective conversation. So she actually wrote in on Team Zen Circle on the app saying, does anybody have any words of wisdom? Help me out, normalize what I'm going through. And they all did that. And then, and then we um, talked about it. Then we talked Zen about talk. it on the Zen talk. And we said something like, it could have been a crappy teacher. Yeah. Or I think this um, mom's daughter, I think it was a girl, just got a boyfriend. Like there's so many different variables and we just make up the story that our kid is irresponsible. Or they haven't learned their lesson. And by the yeah. way, the kid also, I think, got A's and B's in all the other classes. Correct. So there's so many different things at work. And yet we tend to spend a lot of our time judging quickly. And again, we live in that binary of either we say something or we don't, or either we're permissive or we're, you know, authoritarian. And there's, there's this place in between where what this mom ended up doing, it was really lovely. You know, everybody we talked about on the Zen talk and, you know, the other things like Todd said that she talked about is my kid, you know, is really enjoying her friends. She has someone that she's romantically involved with. She is, um, you know, very active in school. And so the year had been different for her and she was, this is math is tough for her. It's this teacher was a little more challenging. It's not necessarily that it's a bad teacher. It's just that what was expected in the class was maybe more than the kid like had the you know maybe bandwidth to give. Maybe she's in over her head on math. Maybe she Correct. sucks at math and why she's why is she in advance when she should be in normal or why is she in normal when she should be in the one that's a little bit slower for math. Right. There's a lot of variables, right? So the mom eventually sat down. She, she was actually in a, a, a divorce situation where she and her um, ex-partners sat down with their daughter and they said, okay, we're curious. Like, talk, talk to us. Tell us, you know, what's going on here. And the daughter basically shared all those kind of things that we were talking about. Like, it's been a rough year for these reasons. I already feel bad about this class. It's stressing me out too. So they didn't need to bring the hammer down because she already felt not great mm -hmm. about the situation. But if we come down on our kids immediately, we think they need to learn that lesson without even becoming curious about how did this come to be? Um, you know, one things we, one thing that I've been asking my daughters and their friends when they're over, what is the thing that, you know, what's the messiest conversation that you have with your parents? And all of them, surprisingly, like I thought it would be a wide variety of things. Most of them said grades. And I was like, really? Mm -hmm. um, and why, why they said grades, the reason why the conversation is messy is because the kid already feels bad about it. They know what they should have done, could have done. <clears throat> Maybe, you know, there's a lot of pieces of like, oh, I could have studied longer or I could have turned this assignment in. They know and yet they're still, they're, they're kind of learning through their mistakes of how to do it better. But when they're parent comes down on them about it they're like i know i know i know yeah. don't don't tell me things i already know yeah just because there's a difference between knowing and and applying Follow through, or knowing yeah. and integrating i just want to read her um her comment that she wrote in the app after? I think it's afterwards yeah. after yeah. she chilled out she said we had a good talk last night her dad came over we're divorced and i opened the talk with let's put this into context um, your other grades are great because you work so hard. Math has always been your hardest subject. I'm not mad about the grade, but I'd like to, I would just like some reflection about what happened. Other than that, this is a logistical problem. This is a logistical problem to be solved. It was pretty amazing what happened. 
We all three relaxed after that. Uh, my daughter looked so relieved um, and we're able to have a pretty frank conversation about how this happened. A combination of all the things the podcast mentioned, 11th grade is intense. She had a difficult teacher. It was a hard class. And then her part, which was missing assignments and letting yep. things spiral until it was uh, too late to salvage. Uh, from my own reflections, I think it has a lot to do with money, the expense of the tutor, because she said about tutors. So what the mom is saying, the reason she, because Todd kept asking her, why do you feel more reactive about this than usual? And she's, and then she came up with these things. She was worried about money. Mm -hmm. And then this last one too, she said she was worried about the vacation. Yeah, there was a family vacation. So if she had to go to summer school, it's mm -hmm. going to F up the vacation. Mm -hmm. So I just think like, think about how that could have gone sideways yeah. in so many different ways. And, and what, what I would honor and applaud this mom who went through this journey with her child and her uh, divorced husband is she took a breath. Mm -hmm. She looked at, she investigated her own reactivity. Mm -hmm. She went in with an intention of connectivity with her daughter, not like, you know, it's us against you. It's like, let's figure this out yeah. together. Yeah. And how, out of a hundred examples of parents who have a kid who flunks out on math, how many of them go this way? And I'm guessing mm -hmm. probably not that many. Well, I think we get scared and we're reactive and we think the outcome is the outcome. Yeah. We think my kid is going to fail life. Right. My kid is going to, my kid is, you know, manipulating me. My kid is a jerk. My kid doesn't care. And, and where they could be in a moment in time where some of those things, you know, they've dropped the ball or they're scared. There's a reason, especially if it's a change you know, like if you have a kid who's constantly struggled with school, there's probably a lot of things like it could be a processing issue. It could be, um, you know, a diagnosis of some kind. It could be a, you know, a learning disability. But if your kid has, you know, been in school and doing, been doing pretty well and all of a sudden there's a huge drop off, there's a story in there somewhere. Not a story that you need to be afraid of necessarily, right. but a story that may be discussable. And if you're open to what they're experiencing, even if it's all social, like even if it's, um, you know, it's so, this is so random, but Todd and I were watching Fargo the other night Love it. and, um, there's just this scene before Gene gets picked up, you know, by Steve Buscemi and his buddy, um, where Gene, the, you know, the wife says to her son, Scotty, you know, how are your grades? You know, if you don't, if you don't get those up, then no more hockey for you. And the kid's like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. hockey's my life. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you thinking? And, and I know parents think, well, I'm going to scare them. And I'm not saying you don't do anything. I'm just saying that maybe you figure out that if something, if there's something they love, how do we negotiate these things and not take the thing they that that helps them feel inspired and connected socially and all these other aspects of their life away from them. Right. I think we're very like it's either this or that, black yep. or white. You're either doing this or doing, and it's. I I kind of think of it as being not not a creative solution. Yeah. I mean, going back to Rick Rubin about creativity, like there are so many different ways we can go. It's not black and white. There's so many different conversations we can have, you know. And and I also think that. You know, I was talking to Todd this morning. Sometimes when we're having big feelings about something, you know, about something that our kid did or our kid said, it's okay to share how you feel. Again, outcome is not the outcome. It's okay to share about how you feel about it in the moment and know that this isn't the way you're always going to feel and that you do see the big picture, but you do want to, you know, like the when the mom, you know, the, the example of... Um, 
you know, her kid failed this class and her first feelings are this, this, and this, and this, and this, and they're big feelings and they're strong. And that's okay. She, those, it's important to say those things first to someone you trust, to journal them, to say them through your therapist. So you can get that all out and then you can have an expansive picture. Like I think Todd would, would say that I do that a lot. I will share a story that sounds really like, I think you would probably think you know better than this, Kathy, but I need to say all the things, our, our, the our, triggers our I have. Our brain is wired to worry. Yeah. And our brain is also wired to think of worst case scenarios. Yeah. So instead of like getting mad at our brain for doing this right. thing, oh, I'm noticing I'm going down this really doomsday path. But it, it's really hard to engage from that place. So if we can flex our self-awareness muscle enough where you can share something with me before you engage in whomever it is that it's about then I just think it's going to be a more productive conversation. And a lot of times, even in the midst of sharing it, you know, I've been doing this practice for so long that I'll say, you know, this really bothered me. And I know this isn't about her. This is about my grief or this really made me mad, but it's not because she did it. It's because it reminds me of somebody else. Like I can say anybody, all of us can say all these things we're feeling and be self-aware about why we're saying it. I think the the worst case scenario is when we share with someone and someone is like, well, I can't believe you think that, or, oh my gosh, you're so weak, or those kind of things, those like pushing back where we may, if we're reacting from that place of like Todd said, if we're, if we're having all those feelings and then we keep trying to engage with our kid or with a person from that really heightened place, that's not great. But if we're just kind of sharing in a moment, this is how I feel, be, be able to be able to release that air out of the balloon. And the air needs to be released, not with the person that this is about. Yeah. Therapist, the ocean, uh, your journal, your journal, your best friend. And then engage with whomever yes. that is. And it just allows it's too you. too personal. It is. And, but that's the thing is because we're human, when our kids fail a class, when our kids, uh, when their friends blow them off, when our kids have a hard day, when our partner makes us mad, when any of those things, we're going to have a human reaction to it. Like people, we are going to have triggers. There's going to be old things that come up. We're going to have old concerns, real worries. And we need to talk about them so then we have perspective. And it, it, when I say talk about them with someone or it Again, if you're not, if you don't like doing that, write that, write it out, journal it, you know, um, you know, this generation, you know, Gen Z does not everybody, but I work, you know, talk with so many teenage girls and pre-adolescent girls and they video themselves. Mm-hmm. They'll like video themselves crying and talking and sharing. Are they videoing it for? No, they don't post it. Okay. They just oh. want to see themselves crying. Interesting. They want to see their emotion on the outside mm-hmm. and some kids keep it so they can look back and see the struggles they had it's almost like a video it's like a it's like a video of their life instead of a journal of their life i did that one of our daughters was really struggling and i've shared this with you and there's something that happened in one of our daughter's lives and it was really um, hard very challenging and i use this online platform called marco polo and i poloed two of my best friends and i just kind of let it all out and i was weeping and crying and weirdly it was easier to arrive at that point uh, because I was recording it versus, I, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like it was because I was trying to connect with other human beings whom I loved, it seemed easier for me to access it versus if I just would have been sitting in my office doing it without that. And you were looking in your own eyes yes. while you're recording it. Right. I did the same. That's true. I, you know, my college friends and I, we all have a Marco Polo as well. And I did, I've done that 
also when I've really struggled with something because I can really, it's a big group so I can dump on them. They know me, they trust me, they've known me since I was young. Like there's no, they're not worried I'm going to completely fall apart. They just know that I need to release. And there's something about looking at myself Mm -hmm. while I'm sharing that can be really a relief. And so I say all this because all of these aspects that we're talking about sharing, you know, being honest about how you feel, um, you know, zooming in, zooming out. It's about recognizing that the outcome is not the outcome, that this is a moment in time. And the, I wanted to end with the, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz's, um, the four agreements. Second agreement is don't take anything personally. And he starts, he when he talks about, the, in this chapter, I can't really remember, you know, what's what's first in the chapter, but he shares the fact that every single one of us is watching our own movie and every single one of us is the protagonist in our own movie. And the, anta- and the antagonist, probably. Sure. <laughs> and that, but that goes like into a deeper level. Yeah. Th- this is more of the surface of how we see the world. Yes. So when I wake up in the morning, I've got a story about the way things should go, how people should react what things are good, what things are bad, what works for me, what doesn't. And then that shapes my perception of the world. I am the pretend, pretend you're in a movie, pretend it's a screenplay. It's your perspective. You are the hero. So everybody around you are just these peripheral characters. And you're like, oh my gosh, how did they not know that? And I can't believe this person did that. And they are, the thing that's the zooming out is they are also in their own movie. Yeah. They are having their own story. Like when my daughters are are going through something and they're kind of taking up a lot of space in our house, and I mean that emotionally and energetically, I always have to remember that they are dealing, they are in their own movie, feeling that everybody in the house should understand their movie. You know, like this is a really hard thing for me. How does everyone not understand this? And it's because everybody else is in their own movie, right? I was going to say like we're all, and actors is probably not the best, but we're all role players in everybody's movie. Yes. But I'm going to spend most of my attention to my role in this movie and a little bit less attention to your role in my movie. Correct. And you're kind of like, how are you not understanding my movie? Yeah. Didn't you read my screenplay? Yeah. Which is another way of saying, like, how do you not Don't understand? Don't you know the history yes. of all the things that came to me yes. to write this screenplay? Yes. And the answer is, unless you really know somebody intimately, the answer is no. And even if you know them intimately, you still don't know everything. Mm-hmm. That's why That's why we always talk about, you know, with couplehood, you know, people who will, people who've been longtime listeners have heard Todd and I work through a lot of things and we still work through those same things. We still, we still have the same triggers, the same challenges. Yes, we have a, a little more of a, a shorthand about it and we you don't get as worked up about it, but you find that it's the same issues that you're dealing with. Um, I wanted to read a few things from Don Miguel's book because it's, I think it's powerful. And actually, I don't even think this is from the book. I think this was just a blog that he wrote, but he's talking about, you are the star of your own movie and everyone else is in their own movie. You look at yourself acting in your movie, but you start to no longer believe that you you're watching. You no longer believe your own story because you can see that it's just a story. Mm -hmm. Again, the outcome is not the outcome. Now you know that all the acting you did your whole life was really not that important because nobody perceives you the way you want to be perceived. You can see that all the drama that happens in your movie isn't noticed by people around you. All that stuff in your head, people have no idea. It's obvious that everybody's attention is focused on their own movie. They don't even notice sometimes when you're sitting right beside them in their theater. Mm -hmm. They're still lost in their movie. 
The actors have all their attention on their story. It's their only reality. Their attention is so hooked by their own creation, they don't even notice their own presence observing the movie. They're just in it. They're like, they can't even see themselves as an actor. They're actually the character. But here's the good news. In that moment, everything shifts. Nothing is the same because now you see people live in their own world, their own movie, their own story, and they invest in that story. And in, you know, this is why we're not going to take things personally. With this awareness, you realize how ridiculous ridiculous it is to say my my partner, my children, whoever do, don't understand me. Nobody understands me. Of course they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't even understand yourself. Your personality is always changing from one moment to the next according to the role you're playing and according to the secondary characters around you, according to the way you're dreaming at that time. At work, you know, you have different personalities, blah, 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 blah. I, I'm trying to like paraphrase because it's a lot. And But basically, you made an assumption that everybody else should understand your story and they don't. And when they don't do what you expected them to do, you took it personally with anger you and you use the word to create a lot of conflict and drama and now again this is a self-help book this is Don Miguel Ruiz saying hey just get over it move through it this is just perspective taking you're still going to have a reaction to other people not understanding you you're still going to have a reaction that other people don't understand your movie that's human but when you can zoom out and realize that and understand them that that you know, Todd doesn't always know what mood I'm in. He doesn't always understand what I need in that moment. My kids are often in their own story and they're not trying to offend me. They just are so lost in their own story and screenplay that I'm a peripheral character. Mm -hmm. So this is just a way not to keep you from having feelings, but to help you negotiate your feelings. We can do both. Well, and I just want to, because we've been talking a lot about The Four Agreements, which is a book I think I read once a long time ago, and it's probably one of those books that I could read every year for the rest of my life. And still, if I could live by these four agreements, I think I would be a more alive, happier person. And sometimes I do a great job and sometimes I don't. Number one, be impeccable with your word. Yeah. Number two, don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make assumptions. And number four, always do your best. I mean, that's a lifetime. And it's a <clears throat> it's a book and a, and a discussion, meaning you can't take those words at surface value. When when you say to someone, oh, number two is don't take anything personally. It's like, how do I do that? Blah, 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 blah. Of course, you're going to. But then can you have a new perspective where you're like, that really isn't about me. When when you're driving and someone's honking at you and trying to cut you off, do you think that's about you? Mm-hmm. They don't even know you. Yeah, for mo- It's for got nothing to do with you. The road rage thing, it's like, it's hard not to have a reaction of somebody cutting yes. you off yes. or honking the horn or all that. It's like, but can we minimize our recovery time or our time of self-reflection or how quickly we can get curious about maybe he's in a rush because there's a big meeting he has to get to or maybe... Going to the hospital. He's going to the hospital. There's all these different things. So anyways. And and what you're doing is it's okay to have a, a reaction or a feeling, but do you take it personally? Because we get very lost in, especially if we're dealing with anxiety and depression, where we get very lost in, it's all about me. It's my fault. It's my problem. I did it. I made this person feel this way. If I would have said something different they'd be different. And that's a very, you're so lost in your own movie that you think everything's about you. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Everybody's having their own experience. They may tell you it is. People may say, if you hadn't said that, I wouldn't be mad. Well, okay, you know, you can apologize for the impact of your words. But in the end, it really is, they're, they're looking to kind of 
point the finger at other people for how they're feeling. Yeah. And this is very intricate because if you are someone who's very knowledgeable about this and you really have great self-awareness and you do understand everybody's watching their own movie, but you're partnered with someone who doesn't, that can be hard. That's yep. a hard conversation. Or you have a kid, you know, I never say to my kid, you guys are watching your own movie, but I do try and give them awareness about how they're affecting other people. Sure. That sometimes they're so in their movie that I'm like, I understand you're you're very upset about this and you have a right to be and, and I'll be here to support you. But when you do A, B, or C, now you're harming other people. You know, it's like we can give people that kind of awareness while simultaneously honoring their experience. So so I want to just share that um, Kathy has a book called Zen Parenting, yeah. Parenting Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Um, it's on the, uh, anywhere you buy books. So if you haven't already got it, it's one of the best books out there. It won an award on Friday. It won an award on Friday. Uh-huh. And it's won three or four, I think. It's won three awards. On Friday, I got an email that it won the International Book Award. And I was I was excited about it because I my other book, um, the what was my other book? The the one before it. Parent? Yeah, this no, oh, not the software. Living, parent. What, you Living what you want your kids to learn. I always forget that sentence. Living what you want your kids to learn. It was it also won an international book award, but it was a finalist. And this one was the winner of the book award. So it was kind of a fun uh, you know, it felt it felt good. And then it won a Nautilus Award and a Reader's Choice Award. And really all these, you know, we talk about these kind of things like not valuing these things that much. I think for me. It's less about, it's not that it necessarily translates to sales that much, but as a writer, what I like is that other readers and other writers read something I've written and say, yeah, that's, that's a book. And regardless of, I, when you were doing, it's like having another musician like your song. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where you feel it's less about now everybody knows who you are and more about other people who do the same craft that, oh my God, I can't believe I just used that word. Other, like, do you know how actors are always like my craft? Other people who do the same work or creative work that you do honor your creative work. That means something to me. So, but thank you for bringing, or I actually brought it up. Thank you, Kathy, for bringing that up. Your, your award. own book. Yes. yes. Uh, well, I brought up the book. You brought yes. up the award. Yes. Um, you know what hasn't won an award? What? Our YouTube channel. We have 32 videos on there and 48 subscribers. Are there awards for YouTube channels? I don't know, but our videos almost um, are more than our subscribers. So this is a <laughs> gentle uh, thing. If you want to just check out some of these cool, funny, little impactful clips on YouTube, go ahead and just scroll down on your phone and you can subscribe with a click of a button, um, I also am the executive director of Men Living. Uh, so if there's any guys out there that want to connect authentically, go to menliving.org. And then also I'm a life and leadership coach for guys. So toddadamscoaching.com. Anything else that we want to push? No, I mean, just that there's all these places like on our website. And actually you could scroll down below our to our resources page. I mean, it, it has everything. But I would tell you, if you like Zen Parenting, just join Team Zen. Everything yeah. is there. It's it so try. great. Um, but uh, just thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And I hope you're having a great summer. And keep trucking. Oh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. Love that guy. Just had lunch with him. Uh, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Uh, if you're in Chicagoland and you've got any general contract needs, he's your guy, avico.net. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app 
That includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.